0: Everybody, happy Tuesday. Happy sharp tongue Tuesday. It's been a hot minute, hasn't it? It's been a hot freaking minute. I've been all over the world and back. And um surprise. Yeah. Last week I was hanging out with my dad. The week before I was in Beirut. And I'm here for you now. Hopefully you got caught up on the podcast and you know what's going on in my life. If you don't, I have become a stripper. <laughs> I honestly think, like, I was having this conversation yesterday about strippers, like, and YouTubers more. I was talking with uh, Leo Flowers, who's a good friend of mine, and um, we were talking about how YouTubers are, you know, sort of like the new celebrity now. And comedy clubs are booking them, you know, one or two nights in their comedy clubs to fill the room, sell some tickets, You know, they sell tickets, so it's kind of like a money grab for any comedy club. But the fact of the matter is they don't really necessarily belong in a fucking comedy club. You know, uh, I feel like there should be a YouTube theater where they can go and perform and stay away from our stage. (laughs) Get the fuck out, bitch. (laughs) But you can't hate on them. A lot of comics want to hate on success. You know, and success comes in many different forms. It, it's, it's all dependent upon what you deem successful, but I'm talking about monetary success. And some of these YouTubers are fucking killing it. Killing it! Um, I was in Phoenix, Arizona at the House of Comedy. Shout out to everybody who came out to the shows. Amazing shows. Shout out to Jimmy Wisman, Marty Caproni, my comedy brothers for supporting me and being there all weekend. But we had a YouTuber, two YouTubers, who booked... The comedy club in the morning at like 9 a.m. 9 a.m. They sold the fucking place out. I can't even tell you who they are. I mean, I could. I'm I'm looking it up right now. They're like, they're an exploring team. It's like Eagle and, and Scout. I don't know what it is. Something about exploring. Uh, All I know is they sold the fucking place out. Uh, They sold $5,200 worth of merchandise. And their demographic is like 8-year-olds to 14-year-olds. So I'm now changing my comedy from dicks to candy jokes. I'm going to be joking about, you know, Kit Kats and Sour Patch Kids and Santa Claus being silly. I'm just changing all of it. (laughs) And it brings me back to the conversation of strippers. A lot of people like to... talk shit about strippers. If we're going to put it in the same zeitgeist as comedians talking shit about YouTubers, it would be just like women talking shit about strippers. You can't really hate on them, you know? In one way or another, they're, they're similar to what you're doing in life, and they just found a way to make some quick cash. And, you know, these YouTubers... While I don't think they should be performing in fucking comedy clubs because they don't belong in a fucking comedy club. They should be performing in, like, the auditorium of their goddamn junior high school. Uh, That's me throwing some hate. (laughs) I can't hate the game, you know? They figured out. I mean, these kids, I looked at their tour poster. I wish I could remember their fucking name. It's called, like, Explore On or something. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I looked at their tour poster. They have, like, an eight-city tour and if you do the math, uh, they're going to be killing it. Killing it. Killing it. Explore with us. I think that's their name. Explore with us. Maybe not. No, God, I just wish I could figure out what the fuck their name is. <laughs> they just, it's, it's, two, it's two kids, two little, you know, young white boys. who And, and I don't even know what they do because I didn't even want to look it up. Honestly, the intelligent thing would have been to look it up, see what they do, and maybe learn from it. Nope, I talk shit about them, and I drink tequila. <laughs> because honestly, you know, I think the argument between comedians and YouTubers is where's, where's the line drawn between, you know, comedy and art? How far are we going to go? And if we're going to be booking these people in comedy clubs, you're teaching your audience that that's comedy, Stand-up comedy specifically, which it is, it couldn't be further from that. I mean, if we're going to go back to the stripper analogy, then uh, you know a le- a legit stripper, and then I show up in you know my sweatpants, and I'm just doing the Macarena. I'm a stripper too. No, you're not. You're somebody's drunk aunt. <laughs> you're, you've been day drinking. <laughs> That's all you are. Um, I God, I was everywhere. I was everywhere, and and I'm contemplating you know, um, a lot of things in life. (laughs) I was in the house of comedy. I was in Arizona. God, it was so damn hot. I know it's like so cliche to say Arizona was hot, but we didn't even go outside. Marty and I were just, we were in the pool or we were in the comedy club. That was it. We didn't explore. We didn't explore one motherfucking thing. We went to brunch. We went to the original house of breakfast and Marty ordered a plate. They might as well just call it Heart attack with cheese. (laughs) It just looked like a, it looked like, it looked like the vomit of a college co-ed from the night before of whatever she ate. That's what his breakfast looked like. And he's like, this looks amazing. And I was like, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. Marty started brunch with a fucking cinnamon bun. That's, that was his appetizer. I'm smoking a joint. I've had like, I haven't really smoked too much. I mean, for obviously for Weeds Day and then, like, Tuesdays and Fridays and some Mondays and then Wednesdays and then um, Saturday. I'll get a Saturday in there. So. <laughs> but um, I'm going to tell you where all my travels were, but I just got back. I'm in L.A. for two days. Let me light my joint. Hold on. Okay, much better. I have my mom grill lighter if you 're wondering what that sound was, it was a sound of my mom 's nancy 's grill lighter that 's how I light my joints i was in um i 'm in l a for two days i 'm taping something today uh we 're doing a, a chem test chemistry test for a new show and i can 't really say what it is because Hollywood likes to be secret and then spend six months on an idea and then not make it. <laughs> I have woke up with some fucking serious hate today. It's, it's like hate, but love. It's like, like loving hate. Cause I really don't have any hate in my heart. Um, so I literally am in the middle of being gone. I've been gone from LA since January, uh, January, (laughs) June. I left LA. Let's see. June 28th. Holy fuck. Did I really? Wow. I can't believe I left June 28th. Yeah. And then you guys, if you've been following on Instagram, my Instagram story, I I kept track of where I was going for you guys. I I, um, documented the whole thing. I went from Los Angeles to my favorite place in Monroe, Utah at the uh, Mystic Springs, you know, just chilling in the hot springs with Magic Mike. (laughs) That's the name of the guy. Oh no, Mystic Mike. I keep calling Mystic Mike, who owns the place. If you ever drive cross-country, I highly recommend it. It's just this magical, mystical little resort in uh, the mountains in Monroe, Utah. I mean, not mountains, but it's in a mountainside. It's like the hill, okay? I I don't know geography or topography. Please don't yell at me. Um, And then I went to... Remember Colorado, guys? Remember I got... um, Altitude sickness in Colorado, and I couldn't stay in my Airbnb. I had to leave in the middle of the night and sleep in my car like a vagabond in some truck stop in some rural Colorado town, with truckers knocking on my windows with their hard ons. You you better get up, girl. I don't know why they have a southern twang in Colorado, but that's all I got right now. (laughs) And then I was in Kansas for about a week, well, a few days. Then I was in Syracuse. Um, I did some shows in Connecticut, man. I've, I've, I can't believe how many states I've been through. I've been through all of them for the most part because I drove from L.A. to Syracuse. I was in Syracuse, then I went to Connecticut, had a couple shows in Connecticut. Then I was in Beirut for a week. Have we spoken since then? I feel like I haven't talked to you guys since Beirut. Beirut was amazing. First of all, everybody was terrified. Everybody was we, It's Well, is it safe? That's what my mom said. Is it safe? Is America safe right now? Last time I checked, we can't go to church, school, or a nightclub without some angry white guy ruining our night. Yeah, I'll say it. You don't see any women out there shooting motherfuckers up. What's up with that statistic? Probably because what what the hell would we wear? <laughs> what would our mass shooting outfit be? That's why we're too considerate of our attire. We're too self conscious. You guys just put on your sweatpants and get out there. Um, it was great. Be- Beirut was amazing. It was it was you know it was interesting to see. If you don't know where Beirut is, it's in Lebanon. And I still don't know where it is, and I was there for a week. Um, Spin the globe, point to it. That's where it is. I... (laughs) It was interesting to see a city like Beirut, which is the capital of Lebanon, um, be in this crossroads, really, essentially, because there's all these buildings that obviously have the scars of war on them. You know, you can literally see where the bomb ate away half of the building. And then next to that will be a brand-new high-rise hotel or like luxury apartments. And when you think about cities that go through war and experience extreme you know poverty and deprivation from the results of that war, you know, cuz essentially when you blow shit up, people have to take time to rebuild and it, that shit costs money and this that can kind of bankrupt a city and so Beirut just looks like you're, you're in the middle of its regrowth. So it's kind of cool to see. It's cool to see the past and the future meet in such a jarring juxtaposition because it'll be like a busted-ass building and then, like, you know, a Starbucks. <laughs> and they speak English. You know, everyone's like, ha la la no, it's not. Stop being racist. you know. And, and for me, it, it made me read more and, and learn more about the culture and just where they were at as a society because it's interesting. When you travel, you you have a opinion of what it's going to be like, mainly because of what media shoves down your fucking mouth, which for the most part is a biased opinion that's paid for by Democrats or Republicans alike to get their agenda pushed through to your minds. Because uh, for the most part, we're all just sheep following some thread through life because we don't have the balls or courage or know-with-all to take on our own path. Um, so it, it would just for me i had an opinion because of that and it was totally uh it was totally met with with such a beautiful 180 of what i thought it was going to be you know i didn't even go in with a, a skewed opinion i'm not really like that you know for the you know i know what i know and then i kind of make up the rest and i'm i'm a pretty fucking optimistic person so i was like oh it's going to be great everyone's going to love me <laughs> that's how i've gotten through life severe optimism you know, uh, some people live under the cloak and shadow of pessimism and fear and rage. I'm the opposite. I'm like everything's going to be great, which can be terrible too, because reality slaps you in the face. You're like, oh, herpes is real. But I really enjoyed it. Like the, the people were great, so hospitable, so welcoming. They speak English quicker than any other culture I've performed. Perform. Perform. <laughs> Also, side note, if you guys saw my Instagram story from yesterday, from being in L.A. for a day, could not talk because I've been so exhausted. And I was bragging about not having any jet lag with Beirut because they're like 37 hours past us. (laughs) The time change is like a millennia. Um, I didn't experience any jet lag, but I got back to L.A. yesterday and I slept all day long, all day long. Uh, in the morning I got up and did some errands and I couldn't talk. I was trying to talk into my Instagram story and I just, I was like, (laughs) but the shows in Beirut were really, they were fun, you know? And I, I have been working on material about my father and going through the Alzheimer's with him and, Oh, there's just a fucking hummingbird right here. (gasps) Wow. That was magical. See the weeds definitely kicked in. fucking hummingbird just came up to my face I wonder if she thought my nostril was a flower I'll take that compliment um, I really enjoyed the shows in Beirut because I've been working on this material about my dad you know the Alzheimer's stuff and and I got to make it funny because if I don't laugh about it I'm going to cry every goddamn day so I have to do something with it I have to turn it into the only thing I really know how to turn it into and that's comedy and art and and humor and hopefully through that I can help, I can reach people who are experiencing it and and ease some of their pain. As cheesy as that fucking sounds, as um, self-indulgent as it sounds, it's the truth. Uh, It's the silver lining through this whole thing with my father, which is is an enormous void. You know, because my father and I, we used to talk hours a day, hours a day. And... to to not be able to do that anymore, you know, it kind of, it sucks and it's, it's a, it's a reality check for me and it makes me really value, you know, uh, just having any conversation with him. So, you know, I just, I feel like it's my duty to talk about what I'm going through with him because what's ended up happening by talking about him, because you guys, if you follow my Instagram story, whenever I'm with him, I post videos of him and I have, um, hashtag alts tips, which are just things that I experience personally that I'd like to share for people who are going through it so it makes it a little easier for them. You know, like tips like it's their reality as they see it, meaning whatever they are talking about, just go with it. Just go with it and go along with their story, even if it's crazy. You know, one day we picked up, my sister told me this, I wasn't there, but we picked up my father. My sister picked him up to bring him to the doctors, and the doctor asked how he was, and he says, I'm doing good. Work is good. My dad hasn't worked in years, and the doctor's like, what do you do? He's like, well, I drive a limousine. And he told a story about how he drove a limousine with Brad Pitt, George Clooney, and uh, one other... (laughs) Like the cast of Ocean's Eleven to Syracuse Hancock International Airport. That obviously didn't happen, but you just kind of go, oh, wow. Was Brad Pitt eating? He's eating in every scene. Was he eating? So I was able to work on jokes about my dad and Alzheimer's in in Beirut. And the interesting thing is, is their Alzheimer's rates aren't nearly as high as ours. Their statistics aren't as bad. And it just goes back to like, what are the causes, you know? It, and it goes beyond a... Um, it being a genetic disease at this point it, it goes to environmental factors it goes to diet and nutrition and that's just something that we all have to consider in our own lives and i've i, I keep saying this and i'm and i want to reinforce what i'm learning and share it um that alzheimers is not an old person's disease it's a disease that starts when you're younger you can take preventative measures like Trying to not eat a Cinnabon for the appetizer of your breakfast brunch, which is a bowl of potato and cheese, Marty Caproni. (laughs) You have to live a little too. It's all about balance. I'm not saying you only suck on kale and, you know, organic pears for the rest of your life, but just really try and implement a healthy lifestyle. I found this really cool thing. Um, It's called Alzheimer's communication, and it's how to communicate with your loved ones once they become Diagnosed with a disease because it can get really frustrating, you know, because you can't get them out of where they are in their mind. You know, when I was home, um, you know, after Beirut, I went home for a couple days and my dad's disease seems so much. More harsh to me because i 'm gone for periods of time and I come back and it 's kind of like the equivalent of somebody having a child that lives long distance and you see them after a few months and they 've grown four inches. You miss that whole time of of that you miss that whole period of time, and so it 's the same with my father, except instead of him growing he 's degradating is that a word. <laughs> Uh, he's, he's um, regressing. And so it seems so much more shocking to me because I'm not seeing that. But also within the disease, there are highs and lows. There are good days and bad days. So it's a very fucking uh, difficult thing to deal with. The point is smoke a blunt every day. <laughs> smoke weed every day. Um, I have hot tea and it's 80 degrees out. I don't know how to life, right? So, you know, I went home and wanted to take him I went to his home because he's staying in a a memory care facility. I wanted to take him to lunch. And I called earlier in the day. I called his room, and he was screaming at me. My dad never screams, mainly because Prozac is an amazing drug. But for the most part, my dad has never screamed at us. Maybe once I can remember when he yelled at my sister and I, and he felt terrible about it. But I spoke to him. I mean, this must have been like on the like the 24th of July. This wasn't that long ago. And I called him in the morning. I was on the treadmill at the gym, Aspen Fitness in Syracuse. Shout out Aspen Fitness. Thank you for letting me work out and sweat all over your floors. Um, I called him, and, and I was like, I'm going to take you to, to breakfast. And he was like, no, no, screaming on the phone with me. And with Alzheimer's communication, you never argue. You're supposed to agree. And so I'm like just agreeing with my dad screaming <laughs> No, you're right. I am a I'm a worthless child. He's like, no, I never want to see you again. I'm not going anywhere. And I'm like, all right, Dad, you don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to go to breakfast. Well, I want to go to breakfast. Okay, we can go to breakfast. Now I mean, literally, if you're not high or half a box wine deep, I don't know how you deal. I don't know how you deal. (laughs) And so I tried to reason with him, which is another thing. You can't reason, you have to divert. And, and this is coming directly from um, how to communicate with people who have Alzheimer's. You don't argue, you agree. You don't reason, you divert. And I haven't really mastered the diversion. You know, even though I'm naturally good at it, it's, it's kind of like comedy is just one big masterful diversion from one joke to the next. So I'm okay with the diversion. But when the emotions get involved, like, you know, I'm sitting there on the phone and my dad's fucking screaming at me and I revert to being a kid. And I'm just like, why is my dad yelling at me? Why doesn't my dad want to spend time with me? And, and that brings me to the other um, alts tip. You can't rationalize it. This is not a logical disease. It's not something you can go... Oh, why is he doing this? He doesn't even know why he's doing this. You can't take it personal cuz it's not personal. It's just if the firing of synapses in his brain is just it's like the 405 at 4 p.m. in LA and there's drunk drivers everywhere and alien ships have landed. That's what's going on in his the the neurotransmission of his of his <laughs> mental faculties. <laughs> and so you just you have to go with the flow. And so the nurse got on the phone. She's like he's a little bit off today and you know you can try why don't you just come here and try and we'll see if we can get him dressed to take to go out with you and here comes my you know severe optimism i'm like yeah he's going to be fine he'll get dressed he'll be good his hair will be brushed he'll be happy and chipper he's going to be my dad and you know he's never not going to be my dad but the reality is he's not going to be he's traveling further and further away every day from the dad that he that i have known him to be That's the hardest thing because that's the thing you have to accept. You literally have to accept that they are traveling away from the person that you know. Not that that person ever leaves, just they become hidden under the disease. And um, so I got to to his memory care home and I walked in. And there's a few moments in my life where... I've been stopped dead in my tracks emotionally, either in a positive way or a negative way. And when I mean stopped in my tracks, I mean when you're experiencing it, you know it's going to change you forever. Very few um, of those... Well, I shouldn't say few. I feel like everyone has a shitload of those things that happen to you. So what I'm trying to say is when I walked in, it was one of those moments. You know, I, I walked into his room and... He was sitting naked on his bed. <laughs> and you guys are probably like, that's traumatic. But yeah, I don't know. It just makes me laugh because if I don't laugh, I'll cry. <laughs> He's sitting stark naked on his bed. And it, l- it literally looks like his dick has left the building. Not that I was looking for his dick, but it just, like, it wasn't there. His dick is like, I'm out. Look, you guys got to deal with this. I'm going go to go w- for a walk. Like, his dick just went for a walk down the hallway. <laughs> Thank God. Because it just, there was nothing there. It just looked like a Ken doll. <laughs> just a skin flap and he's sitting there and at the at his feet on the floor is his diaper and you know he's been wearing diapers ever since uh probably almost a year, almost close to a year now um because he's he's lost the ability to hold his bowels and because that's why people wear diapers thanks jesse may for for explaining how diapers work <laughs> so at his feet are is his diaper and in his hands are what look like cotton, shreds of cotton, and what my father had done was dug out his diaper with his hands, and um, basically like how an like how a bear would gut a deer with his claws. That's what it looked like. I'm <laughs> just like, okay, checkmate, universe. This is one of those fucking moments. This is one of those earth-shattering, soul-shattering. Um, defining moments in life where you have a choice emotionally in how you deal with it. And um, you either go into a panic attack (laughs) or you kind of take a breath, try to make light of it, and solve it. In my mind, those are the two options. You either freak out or you solve it. Um, and not like it's a puzzle to be solved. Solve it in the sense of how can we make it better? How can we make it not any worse, and how can we get through it? And so the nurse came in, and and he was screaming at me. And I have to tell you, having my dad scream at me stark naked with the the shreddings and guts of a diaper in his hand, probably a low moment in my life, but also a high moment because (laughs) through this just gut-wrenching experience, you know of seeing my father like this with a vacant look in his eyes him screaming at me even though his eyes look empty the diapers shredded on the floor he's naked on the bed on the tv was jerry springer's show jerry springer and the title of the show was transgender baby mama drama and i just thought that was beautiful (laughs) I am <laughs> dealing with maybe one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, watching the, the love of my life slip away slowly into the ether, wherever it is. We don't know. We don't know what it is. We don't know what, what happens next. And then the background is, um, just a bunch of transgender people screaming about alimony and i thought it was i thought it was a beautiful beautiful moment cuz we're not talking like classy Laverne Cox transgender situations we're talking like Syracuse white trash transgender which is just an elite group of people <laughs> and they're screaming about baby daddy this baby daddy that and i'm like well my dad looks like a baby right now so i guess we're not too far off with what, our, with what our stressors are. And I, and I went out in the hallway while the nurse tried to gather him. You know, she's like, I, I think I, you should wait in the hallway while I fix this. And so I did. And I'm out in the hallway, and I'm just, you know, determined. I didn't want to leave. I wanted to, My goal was to take him to lunch, and I didn't want the disease to win that day. And it's probably not the healthiest way to look at it because it's not a competition, but also... Um, it, I just wanted there to be, to end it positively, because I only have a few days with him. You know, I, I'm in and out. I, I traveled in and out of Syracuse. I drove cross country so that I could spend as much time as I could with him. Um, and so I was there, you know, for a few days in the in the beginning and a couple of days in the middle, and, and this was a few days at the end of July before I had to go to Philly, which was last weekend. And oh, thank you, Jesse Mae, for also explaining how time and days of the month work. <laughs> and so you know, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave because I knew that my time with him was limited, you know, in the, in the smaller picture and in the bigger picture. And so I waited in the hallway and I waited in the hallway and that nurse came out and, uh, she's just amazing. And I I cried. I started crying because I felt so helpless and, you know, I can only be a clown for so long. And then the reality of the situation hits me and I, and I let it, I let it happen. I'm not and uh, you know, I think tears are very healthy. I think tears are a way to um, exercise your emotions and, and honor your emotions. And, and she cried with me because she, my dad is one of their favorites. My dad is a very likable person, and, and all the nurses talk about how much of a flirt he is and how funny he is. And you know, he always talks about me and my stand-up, and he loves my sister Emily and his grandkids. And my dad, he's a great guy. So it's hard to see this happen to somebody. You know, if you were an asshole... I mean, if Hitler had dementia, well, God, we turn it into a reality show and just watch it watch the whole thing unfold. <laughs> you know, Mussolini Hitler, uh, God, if it just that, that would be fun just to watch that shit go down, but not with somebody who's a good person, you know what I'm saying? And so she's like, "Well, I don't know what I can do. I'm going to go get another nurse. It took, a, took two nurses and about almost an hour to get my dad calmed down, dressed. Then he comes out and it's like, he's fine. It's like none of that even happened before. And you can't, that's another thing. Don't, they, they don't know. And, and this may be more information for people who are in the beginning stages of Alzheimer's because once you're in it, you kind of learn this stuff. But even so, your emotions get in the way and they start driving your ship when your logic and reasoning should be driving. Don't talk about how they treated you before. They don't fucking know. They, you, they don't need to be asked or, you know, um, interrogated about what they said to you. Let it fucking go. And uh, so he came out. He was all happy, dressed, fresh, hairbrushed. I was like, where you want to go, Dad? And he was like, I want to go get some Riggies. Riggies are chicken Riggies, Rigatoni's. Well, chicken riggies. Um, and so I was like, all right, let's get some chicken riggies. You want to get some Italian food? He's like, oh, yeah. So we went to Santangelo's, which is was funny because we couldn't say it. We kept going, Santangelo's. <laughs> we were laughing about that for about 45 minutes a couple weeks prior when we went there before. And uh, it's right down the street from where he's living. And we walk in. And, you know, the, the other thing about... Traveling with him, he has a walker. He walks slow. He's elderly. You have to be careful. So it's not like I can just get in the car and like, let him let himself in. I have to walk him up to the door, let go, make sure I get his walker out of the way, get him into the car, which takes about 37 minutes. And in, or- <laughs> in order to get him in the car, to make him laugh, I pretend I'm shoving him and I swear at him at the same time. I'm like, come on, you son of a, Jesus Christ, Joe, what the fuck? Come on, we got to go. We got to, and I'm just like shoving him with my body and he laughs so hard. He laughs harder now than he's ever laughed in his life, which is one of the, you know, the other silver linings of the situation is that he gets gut, like gut-wrenching laughter. And so I was shoving him into the car. Then you got to take the walker. You got to fold it down. You got to put it in your trunk. So it's like a, it's like having a child. It's like having a grown 81-year-old Italian man-child and then you get, you pull up to the restaurant. You got to get the thing out, take the thing out. You got to unload, walk up to the car. So it's, it's a very, you have to be, it's a thoughtful process. We walk into Santangelo's and there's this blonde woman sitting down. And I just know, I'm like, oh, here he goes. Because he flirts with everybody. He goes, hey. And she goes, hi. And he goes, you're pretty. And she's like, oh, why, thank you. <laughs> and then he just like stops and stares at her for a minute. <laughs> and I just let it happen. That's so the one thing about being old. Let him fucking flirt. Who cares? Even if he were to pop like a little AARP boner, let him fucking let him have a minute. Come on, let the guy have a minute. Let him let him uh, li- live out the last of these couple years. Hopefully, popping little, you know, boniva boners. Let it. <laughs> <laughs> so she let it happen. Was what I'm saying. Um, and then we walked further. We sat down. Our waitress was a cute blonde. And she's like, what, what, do you, what would you guys, what, what do you guys want? And my dad goes, well, I want you. And I was like, Jesus, he's back. Back. He's back in action. From digging out diapers to flirting with hot bitches. Joe Peluso's back. I'm back, bitch. <laughs> and it just was kind of, you know, in my mind, that was my reward for waiting through the storm for a little bit. You know, because it, it, it'll pass at this stage it'll pass and maybe in the future it'll be a little bit longer and I might have to wait a few, do- a few hours or a couple days. Um, but I was happy that I waited. He, I let him order me lunch. I, I try to give him as much freedom as possible when he's with me because that's important as well, that they maintain some independence and freedom and, and choice you know, of being able to exercise their will and all of that. And so he ordered me a chicken Parmesan, which is like one of my favorite things anyways, and he got himself shrimp fettuccine Alfredo, and we ate like kings. It was pouring outside. You know, we don't talk as much as we used to. Well, he doesn't talk as much to me as he used to, so I kind of carry the conversation. And then I honestly have just been enjoying, well, not enjoying, but learning to be able to sit through silence with him. Um just learning to not be afraid of that. You know what I mean? Like just being okay, just being with him and not feeling like stressed out if him and I aren't filling the air the way we used to with anecdotes and jokes and questions and in in all of that. So um I'm going to read you this little list of Alzheimer's communication. I and, and like I want to apologize for talking about this so much, but I don't give a fuck, you know at the very least, someone's going to learn something. And I know that because I've gotten so many messages from you guys, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of messages. I can't even get through them all. I try to respond to all of you. Um, I've been po- reposting a few of them because they've been so powerful, you know, girls going through it with their fathers. A couple girls even sent me messages, and they're, they think that their father's in the early stages of it. And b- that alone, being able to help somebody at that juncture makes it all worthwhile. Just even though I have to go through this and my sister has to go through this and my mom and all of that, they have to experience the daily pain of dealing with it. If if we can help somebody at the early stages discover it, and at that point, if you have the proper nutrition guidance um, and tools, you can sort of prolong the progression of it. And so that makes it so much more worthwhile to me. So thank you for everybody who contacts me. And, um, and you guys are sharing your stories and you're also sharing information. You know, a lot of you have sent me articles about the, um, was it the ketogenic, I can't even say it, keto, ketogenic, right? Ketosis diet, keto diet, um, which I learned about from Rogan, which, um, sounds like it, you know, Atkins, Atkins was a step ahead of us (laughs) and, uh, I have been researching into that and, and. Learning how to apply that for myself because, like I said, it's a young person's disease, you got to start early. So, I found this thing on Instagram, it's called Alzheimer's Communication. It's just 10 ways that you can communicate with your loved one who becomes diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and it's more for you than it is for them. As I'm reading through these, I realize that one, never argue, instead, agree. And I told you guys that this is where I'm this is what guideline I've been using, never reason. Divert, never shame, instead distract. Those are the two most important things for the Alzheimer's disease, diversion and distraction, because their mind gets in these loops and they can't get out of it and they get stuck in it. And the only way to do it is to kind of do a magic trick. Not, I mean, even literally a magic trick, but a magic trick in the sense of, hey, you know, did you see, bop, 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 bop? Hey, you want to look at a photo? Or even just pulling out a photo, you know, having like things that they can physically reminisce with is a huge, huge positive distraction. So keep that in mind. Never lecture, instead reassure. That's really important as well. That's what I was talking about before. Like, you don't want to lecture them on how they treated you or what they said. Just let them know that they're okay and everything's fine. You want to calm them. Never say remember, instead reminisce. This one was interesting for me uh, because I've said that to my dad in the past, you know, recently with everything that's happened. Like, remember when, ba 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 blah, blah. And it, Instead, you reminisce. And the reason for that is when you say remember, you're asking them, you're making a request of them. So that sort of can stress them out and stress can trigger them into one of those episodes where they get lost and they're agitated and they're aggressive. So when, you're say, when you say remember, you're asking them to do something and instead you should just do it for them. You should just talk about a story, you know, um, bring up photos and that can ha- sort of help them remember on their own and they can reminisce that way never say I told you instead repeat you know when they say well what what time are we going to the doctors today don't go I told you already dad don't don't be as calm as you can and if you can't find somebody in your family who's mastered it and maybe just show up (laughs) not as often (laughs) quit being such a shitty kid (laughs) never say you can't Instead, say what they can do. Reassure them. That goes back to, like, building them up and and complimenting them. Never demand. Always ask. Never condescend. Always encourage. Never force. Instead, reinforce. So um, I'll put this up in my my IG story if you guys want to check it out. I thought it was really useful, and and it changed a couple of the ways that I communicate with my dad personally. Um, And so... uh, yeah, I hope that can help you guys. And I hope this whole... Th- the, me sharing all this helps you. You know, he's been on the podcast before. Um, he's, and you guys, if you've listened to those episodes, you know how charismatic and funny and intelligent and um, what a great conversationalist he is. And we just don't have that as much anymore. And that's, that's the hardest fucking part. And so I talk more these days to sort of fill up that void. <laughs> I have to compensate with it somehow. And so I talk about it on stage to normalize everything that's going on. You know, I talk about his struggle and our struggle and my family's struggle with it. And to be able to make something like that funny is so important. It's so important. I've had a couple people who get offended by it. Do, first of all, don't go to a fucking comedy show if you're going to get offended. Stay the fuck home. Because your offense has more to do with your inability to deal with your own emotional pain than it has to do with somebody being offensive. You know, you're in control of how you react and how things make you feel. Nobody else is is responsible for your fucking feelings. That's not the way life works, you know. Uh, and once you realize that, you'll start to heal a little bit. Nobody has to consider your feelings. That's the reality of life. And, you know, if you go to a comedy show, go when you're ready to laugh. And sometimes, you know, you learn through whatever the other person's talking about, through whatever the comedian is talking about, you learn more about what you're experiencing and you, and you might be able to have another perspective on it. You know, the, for the majority, whenever anybody has been angry, I always can feel their pain. I know that their anger comes from their pain and their inability to deal with whatever trauma they experienced. And I won't stop talking about what I'm talking about. I'm never going to stop talking about what I'm experiencing because that's just, that's the source of my comedy. That's where I get my inspiration. And any good comedian, any... Uh, the basis for good comedy is that, is speaking your truth. And, and, you know, my favorite comedians talk about the most painful shit. Doug Stanhope, his latest special, like it, the stuff that he talks about, it touches on such a, like the societal pulse more than any other comedian that I have ever watched live. He, he has the ability to turn the, the darkest stuff into the most funny, poignant, um, and, uh, Revealing jokes that I've ever seen. I just I'm such a huge fan, and you know even Rogan. Um, I feel like Whitney can do that too. And maybe I'm biased because I know these people, but uh, I like people who I can relate to. And and Stanhope has always been very inspirational. His his latest special, No Place Like Home, is so so good. Highly recommend it. Um, and you know, and 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 my I'm on the road to trying to talk about this stuff and trying to make it poignant and, and to be able to connect with you guys and to raise awareness. That's my main goal. I want to raise awareness because I hope that we can find a cure for this disease. It's, it's so painful to deal with and um, it also can be extremely fucking funny and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to dive into the most painful moments and try and find the light because if I can find the light in my painful moments, your painful moments won't be that bad. And then you'll enjoy comedy shows more and you won't go out and, and try and buy tickets to see YouTube entertainers. That's the whole point of this podcast. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> oh, shit. My hot tea is still so hot. Let me spark this up and I'll tell you babies where I'm going to be. My babies, you guys have been amazing even though I can't hear you. I can feel you. Got mom, The mom grill lighter. Hold on. Fuck. Fuck, I have an audition today. I can't get too high. Shit. Well, not an audition, but I have to tape something. Yeah, fuck it. It'll be fine. I'm going to be, this weekend, holy shit, this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm going to be at the Omaha Funny Bone. Where is that, you ask? Omaha, Nebraska, the 9th, 10th, and 11th. Then I'm going to be, I'm taking a week off. I'm going to reconnect with myself, my soul. Uh, my soulmate and just take some time to um think about everything that i've experienced all the places i've traveled uh you know utah colorado kansas syracuse connecticut beirut um philadelphia thank you to everybody who came out to the shows in philly at the punchline those were fucking magical they were so magical the punchline's an amazing club go check it out in philadelphia the staff is amazing Just one of the greatest clubs that I've played besides the San Francisco Punchline in this country. And thank you so much for everybody who came out. Um, I was at the Phoenix House of Comedy. Thank you so much for everybody who came out there. I'm in LA today in Omaha next week. Uh, And then after my week off, I'm going to be hosting the Gentlemen's Exotic Dancer Expo in Vegas. That's right, stripper awards. (laughs) Cannot fucking wait. Hey, y'all. I might quit comedy, become a stripper, make some of that YouTube cash and come back and have a baller, baller special (laughs) stripped down. That'll be my comedy special, my life on the pole for a day. Um, And then I'm going to be at the Vermont Comedy Club August 30th and 31st. I'm going to be in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, the second weekend of September, the 6th, 7th, 8th and 9th. That's the comic strip in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And for my birthday weekend, the 13th, 14th, 15th, my birthday is the 16th of September, I'm going to be performing at the Loyola Comedy Store. I'm going to be doing my hilarious uh, little mini comedy tour. I'm going to have all my high friends, my funny high friends, come on a bunch of those shows, and we're going to spark up and and tell you jokes while we're stoned. (laughs) That's the 13th, 14th, 15th of September. The 22nd, 23rd of September, I'll be at the Comedy Loft in D.C., and then all the other dates will be posted on my calendar. I'll be adding some as we go, jessimay.com for all things Jessie May. And as always, we have the Hilarious Podcast. I'll be putting a new episode of that up. I'm going to put a bonus episode of Sharp Tongue up this week as well. Um, I'm thinking about combining all of my podcasts onto this channel so that I might have a few days of podcasting as opposed to doing three different freaking feeds of of podcasts so we'll see we'll see what that ends up being like but for the most part you guys know where to find me and if you don't open your closet door I'll be right there (laughs) weeds day every Wednesday on Facebook and Instagram live where I advocate and educate about marijuana and Alzheimer's disease we have a donation option for you guys to donate to end alts which is a charity that gives back and educates for the alzheimer's disease it raises awareness so that's pretty pretty amazing oh what else can i tell you guys um oh god there's just so much <laughs> i'm just very excited to be alive be happy to be alive Try today. Here's here's what I want you guys to do today. I want you to do something for somebody else. I want you to make str- as many strangers smile as you can. And even if you just got to, like, show your pee-pee to, like, a little horny old lady in the grocery store, do it. Do it. <laughs> Find some way to help a stranger and to make them smile because that essentially is what um, what makes the world a better place. And that's, that's how I feel about life. That's where I'm at in life. And, you know, if... If I need a little bit of marijuana or boxed wine to help me facilitate that task, then fuck it. I'm coming in these streets smelling like Franzia and Cheech and Chong. Hello, let's go. We're gonna have a good day today. Hey, um, you guys are, you guys are my are my uh, my people. You're my people. I feel very fortunate to have so many supportive fans. I read your messages. I read your DMs. I see you sliding up in there. I have to say, I'm both shocked and pleased at the lack of dick pics that I get. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. <laughs> it's more a testament to me than to you. But um, things could change after I do the Exotic Stripper Award Show. We'll see what happens. Jessie May may change her whole flow. But until then... I really appreciate you guys sending me your stories And sharing what you're experiencing It means a lot And also that you guys continue to support me And the podcast Means the world I appreciate you And I just, listen, just live your truth Don't be an asshole Go out there and make a stranger smile Even if you gotta just show her the tip Just the tip, y'all Could help somebody's day Think about that I appreciate you guys